0: So what do y'all want to talk about? Anybody twisting on anything? Thinking about anything?
1: Thinking about painting. <laughs> with yeah. Jesus. Mm,
0: painting with Jesus. Oh. <laughs> that sounds nice. That's like walking with Jesus on the road to a maze. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. Thinking how good last Wednesday's study was too. Oh. You know, oh. Keep going back and chewing over how good it is. Yeah. Just a, must be, there was not, I don't think there's any one specific thing other than Marie answering the question right off the bat. she got to start it off. Yeah. The, oh, well. the awesome.
3: Holy Ghost must have been there. That's the first time I've ever heard Marie That's speak right.
2: on like,
3: And I wasn't there. It's like, dang, I was feeling light.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and 10 years, said,
2: 10 words. she started yeah.
1: talking and we all went,
2: <gasps> and I had, had no intention said? of looking. It must have been the Spirit. And just and then the Spirit just went, Continue, but that was awesome. <laughs> oh,
1: I forgot what I said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, okay, was inspired. it was
2: that inspiring. The whole Yeah, no, it was just good. Do you remember what she said? Not specifically. <laughs> <laughs> the question, the question was that I asked, if I remember correctly, was what is it that keeps you? And I didn't want to use the word trust or believing in, but what is it keeps you from thinking that God is going to come through and be God? pretty much. Is, I think I paraphrased mm-hmm. that. But, you know, we're, we were talking about the fact that we want to continue to be persuaded that we find life in the Father and not in the world. Yet the world screams so loudly into our ears that oftentimes we get sidetracked in that. And And so it's a matter of coming back and refocusing and abiding and sitting at the feet of Jesus mm-hmm. and doing that. But My question was, what keeps us, and and what are the hurdles and roadblocks that get in the way of doing that? Mm -hmm. Because there are, as we talked about, there are those things that get in the way, Mm -hmm. for some. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Right? And then you jumped in with your profound answer. about how
1: the world keeps us from? The world is just all the things thrown at you from the world, yeah.
0: You get distracted, Yeah, right? Yes. It's not even necessary that you get distracted. Because, I mean, we are alive in this world, yep. right? Our life isn't of this world, but we are alive in this world. So there's certain things that sometimes we're left having to deal with. Mm-hmm. It's not like you could live in this world and just not deal with everything, mm-hmm. And just not deal with anything. The gospel is not about aloofness, where you're just like, you know, denying mm-hmm. the things around you. It's not about denial. So sometimes we could find ourselves in a situation in the world where there's things that have to be dealt with. And we can find our minds distracted with dealing with those things, whether it be getting a job, uh, losing a job, whether it be some type of health issue, whether it be some type of financial issue, whether it be some type of relational issue, (coughs) we can find ourselves in, in something that has to be dealt with. And next thing we know, we become so focused on what has to be dealt with that we can lose sight. It's not a not a trusting, no. Right, mm-hmm. I think that's our unrighteous judgment. Yeah. In fact, I think that's what the serpent would want to tell us in our our hearts. Do you at really trust God? Oh, yeah. Look at right. you. Where's your God yeah. now? Right. Yeah. Look at you. If you really trusted God, you wouldn't be like this. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so I don't think it's a, it's a it's a not a trusting. It's just a you're just distracted with what's right in front of your face. And um, at at some point, either a friend or the Holy Spirit or church. I mean, that's why we gather. So we can be stirred up by way of remembrance, right? Because we need to be reminded um, that the excellency is of God and not of ourselves. So that as we walk through the things we're dealing with, our mind is filled with the grace or the strength of God that's contained in his life as we're dealing with it, instead of our mind being consumed with our own abilities. Right? right. How am I going to deal with this? No. How is God going to deal with this? Yeah. Right. 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 right? And it's just remembering in that place. That That's the key is remembering. The, yeah. That, that yeah. God yeah. and his life is the power behind right. our lives, right. not ourselves. Yeah, you know,
4: it's it's interesting because uh, before I retired, I worked for a living. And I dealt with like a multitude of people. I was in contracting. I dealt with general contractors my subcontractors, my supervision, the people at work. So I was extremely busy dealing with a lot of people. And you think to yourself, you know, is that a distraction? Well, for me personally, at the time, it was not a distraction for me because where I saw God operating is in the relationships in other words when you think about just the problems about this air conditioner ain't gonna fit in that spot or or what about this guy he's gonna sue me or whatever it is you know all of these things that can be problems that can distract you where you find yourself with god is in the relationships because you're dealing with all of these people. And and, and God is about a relationship with yeah. you. And you are about a relationship with the people around you. So I found the Lord with me all the time because of those relationships that were there. And how you deal with people, how you speak to them. Where, what, what is within you that is going to enable you to deal with these situations. And when I say the situations, I'm talking about the people in a way that's going to be beneficial to you and to them and the whole scenario. And, you know, when you, when you start thinking about what's going on with your life in terms of re- relationship, it, it's, it's not so much the things you're dealing with, but who you're dealing with. And how are you dealing with them? And I I found the Lord with me right there all the time in those relationships. Mm -hmm. It's It's the Lord that
0: gives you power to gain wealth. Yes. Right? And that doesn't mean the Lord has given you strength and now you're going to use your strength to go get money. Or to go be prosperous in the world. I mean, the context there is that the Lord gave them the promised land with homes that were already made buildings that were already built vineyards that were already planted Mm. and bustling over right with fruit. And so it's the Lord that gave them the ability to be prosperous. And so it's just being reminded of the Lord with you, a simple thing everywhere you go. Well, one of our big problems is our mortal bodies. When our mortal, our mortal bodies can feel weakness. And when they feel weakness, you know what our mortal bodies try to tell us that God ain't there. Otherwise you wouldn't feel weak. And so it, and and then we can become distracted with weakness. And before you know it, our sight can be filled with weakness. And just to use like radical words, we could not purposely, but we could ignorantly be worshiping our weakness, right? Where our weakness has gotten exalted in our eyes, as if our weakness is our God now. The weakness is reigning over us, as if all of a sudden the weakness we feel is now a sign that we're not under the reign of the indestructible life of Jesus, Right And actually the weakness, it's actually a real blessing. One of the worst things that can happen to you is for you to think your strength can do something for you. That's one of the worst things that can happen to you. If your confidence is in your strength or in the the feeling of strength, listen, that's one of the worst things that can happen to you. And what I find about the carnal mind and the wisdom of the world, there's a reason why Paul said that uh, the wisdom of God, Christ, is foolishness. To the wisdom of the world. Because the wisdom of the world would say it's very foolish to say the feeling of weakness is a positive thing. It's foolish to say that you should rejoice in the feeling of weakness, right? But the mind of Christ would see the weakness and it would interpret the weakness through God or through the word or the wisdom of God, through the knowledge that comes from God. And so the mind of Christ would look at the weakness that it felt and it would see this weakness that I feel is on account of me being clothed in a mortal body. Right. And that's not a negative thing because it's not my mortal body. That's the power behind me having life. Right. So now when I feel weakness in this mortal body, I actually rejoice that it's not this mortal body. That's the power behind my life, but it's the living God. That's the power behind my life. And so now this weakness serves as a reminder to me that my life is under the reign of God and his indestructible life. Right. So even in that place, we're not trying to get the strength, but you'll feel juiced. When you, when, when you go through what I just said, which is why Paul, he was despising his weakness to get rid of this thorn, right? All his prayer was with God about getting rid of the thorn. You see, he was living as if the thorn could reign over him,
2: right? But after
0: he got a revelation, right, when Jesus said, my grace is your sufficiency, the great, I mean, Jesus is the life of God, the strength that is contained in my life is your sufficiency, Paul. And then Paul, all of a sudden, well, rather, I rejoice in weakness, right? He he even started interpreting weakness as a positive sign. Even the feeling of weakness, I don't want to say it this way, but I will, because the carnal mind will misinterpret what I'm saying. But even the feeling of weakness ministered life to him. Because even the feeling of weakness served as a reminder of God and God's indestructible life, right? And so when he felt weakness, That was just another excuse for a powwow with the fact that the government is upon the shoulders of Jesus and he's under the reign of God's indestructible life. It's just another opportunity to get together with God and rejoice about His life and how His life is dwelling in me, and I have this treasure inside of myself. And oh, by the way, I thank God that I have this treasure in this earthen vessel, lest I become confused one day and think the excellency is of me and myself and my speech and my ability to uh, evangelize and my ability to plant churches and my ability to get people to come to church. Lest I think the excellency is of me, I rejoice that this mortal body can feel weakness and that I actually have the treasure inside of this mortal body. Because glory to God, I wanna live every day of my life by the faith that was revealed in Jesus Christ, right? Which is not by strength of my hand, but by strength of your hand, oh God, right? And that's how he found himself animated with grace. Right, and that's the antithesis of what is preached
2: in churches today. Where we exalt our own strength, you know? Here's how to have a strong marriage. Here's how to have strong finances. Here's how to, you know, take good care of your kids. All of those things are how to do it in the flesh Yep. How to, and how to be strong in the flesh. It's the antithesis of what's preached. Yeah. Antichrist. Yes. Absolutely. In church. Yes. Right. In church. Alive and well. well from the biggest and the best. Well, we ought not be
0: surprised. I mean, when Jesus came to the earth, it was the church system. That was the poison of ass. Exactly. I mean, Jesus said, You're of your father, the devil. Who do you think he said that to? You think he said that to the prostitute? You think he said that to the drunkard? He didn't say it to any of them. He didn't say that to the adulterer. You know who he said it to? He said it to the religious leaders, the high priest, the dude that was performing the sacrifices in the temple service. That's who he said it to. That's a shocking statement, right? Well, there's nothing new under the sun. (laughs) Right. And so it's not that there's not a worldliness that also exists, that also tries to exalt itself against the knowledge of God. Right. But we ought not be surprised that there is a system that calls itself the church of God that is the same way. Mm -hmm. And Paul said we ought not be surprised that Satan comes and masquerades as an angel of light, Mm -hmm. a messenger of the light. Right. Right. That ought not surprise us. We we, we ought to be aware of that. Mm -hmm. Well, I think the church world, the modern church world is very surprised by that. And so if a person just opens the Bible and reads from the Bible, right, then they must be godly, right? Mm -hmm. And if they have the good things that the world says you should have, and they open the Bible, then we know that's a sign of their godliness, right? That's a sign that they're blessed by the Lord from above, right? And that was one of the things with the Pharisees. That's why the whole community perceived them to be the godly ones, because they had the best seats in the synagogue. They had the finest linens. They had all the riches. They had the nice uh, homes and beds and everything. And that doesn't mean having those things are evil. But you should never look at those things and think that's a sign that you have the blessing of life, right? And God actually cast down that belief, right? That's a stronghold. And God cast down that stronghold at the cross in Jesus where he confounded that wisdom. Because here comes this dude who's the weakest that anybody's ever seen, right? The curse is upon him. He's cursed right and so here's this cursed dude cursed is a man that hangs on a tree that's one of the most powerful things there is they had a wisdom that said cursed is a man that hangs on a tree which means that man cannot inherit the blessing of life he's inherited the curse so he looked the weakest that anybody could look there was no strength in him he didn't look strong according to the world he looked feeble and weak he didn't look wise according to the world none of them thought he had the qualifications to be rabbi he looked like the stupidest person in the world he didn't look noble I mean, he didn't look like he was the king of the Jews. In fact, they mocked him for being called the king of the Jews. They fashioned him a crown of thorns and pressed it down on his head, right? right? And so then this guy, who does not look like he's blessed by God or loved by God, he inherits the kingdom of God and comes out of the grave glorified with the immortality of God, right? Well, that casts down the stronghold where you live judging according to your natural sight, Yeah. Right, And sadly, what we have in the body of Christ still today is, predominantly, that's what we do. We judge by our natural sight. We judge what we see by our natural sight. What does someone look like? How do they dress? What does their hair look like? What do their clothes look like? What does their building look like? Well, what do they have? Do they have this program? Do they have that program? Right? How many people come there? They see all these things. Right? Do they have more than one bathroom? Do they have more than one bathroom? <laughs> Well, you know, in, in in the early church in Acts, it says they shared everything.
1: <laughs> so we're just modeled after that, <laughs>
0: right? And it ought not be that way. Like we we we, we ought to have recognized, right? I mean, Paul. I used, to, I used to just gloss over it in, in, in Romans where Paul said he's not ashamed of the gospel of, of, of Christ for therein is the power of God. I used to just gloss over that, you know, because there's a time where you're reading the Bible and you're only reading the Bible because people told you you should. And if you read the Bible, then that's how you're going to become wise. Like we were talking about to begin with, and so there was times where I was just reading the scriptures because you got to get through a certain amount of chapters every day, don't you? Right? Right? You got to work the program. That's how the word will heal you. That's right. Right? Um, And again, I'm not disparaging reading the scriptures. I read the scriptures more now than I did then. But um, Paul, there's a reason why he said he's not ashamed of the gospel, because there were people pointing at him in his life and trying to. Act like, look at what he has. Look how he has nothing. Right? And they use that to try to judge his message. Right? Listen, you think I never felt shame at that other building? You think the feeling of shame didn't try to come to me? I mean, you guys saw it sometimes. I mean, that's why we have that singing in the rain thing. Yeah. I mean, that one of those days I come into that room thinking, how I'm going to cry right now in front of all these people, because I am so ashamed of this place. Who can come in here, right? And it's like the world will try to make you ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which counts whatever you could gain from the world, the riches of the world, as nothing, right? As dumb, right? That the power of God is not contained in that. And so the world will try to make you ashamed of it.
1: For for those (coughs) guests who don't know, when it rained, we had to put, Buckets buckets, all over the place to catch all the leaks in the roof. He would,
2: Becky buckets. would go through like 15 buckets. Yeah,
0: yeah that's there's... why
1: the singing in the rain because the rain came right in.
0: So I'd get in, i get into church Sunday morning and there's just water everywhere. And there'd be new leaks. It's not like the leak, the leaks move. It was one of those old flat roofs that had tar over the metal. So they tarred over the metal. Well, the tar had been there for like 20 or 30 years. There's holes everywhere. So you put all the buckets out, you try to remember, you mark it, and then you come in that Sunday, and now there's new ones. It's new. And it's just dripping in there. And you think I didn't hear the voice of the serpent talking to me and telling me, right? How can you keep preaching this? How can you keep believing this? Look. Look at this. Who's going to want to come in here? People are going to come in here. Water's going to drip on them. And not clean water. Rusty water. Dirty rusty water could fall on their head, right? And it's in that moment that the world is trying to make you ashamed of what you're saying, right? And You know, Paul, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God, he said, unto salvation. Not a trivial statement. No, from his faith, the faith of him, as he would say in other places, the faith that was revealed in him, now, having been born inside of me, faith to faith, right? And now the power of God dwelleth in me and operate in me. And it's It's not by the strength of the flesh.
4: It's interesting how... uh we look at an authoritative figure and attribute validity to that person because of the stature of that person. You know, he wields authority. He's a pastor of a church or whatever. Yeah. And uh, But it's interesting how Paul writes. He says, But God yeah. hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Right. God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound those things that are mighty. So, when you look at it that way, you may start looking at things like that differently. Yeah.
0: And you would think that the church would be there looking at those things differently by now. Yeah. Right? You'd think that that would have been the biggest sign, like Jesus coming and how Jesus looked on the cross yeah. and how he inherited eternal life. And you'd think that we would take that as a marker. But that's one of the reasons why the world is in such bad shape right now, and even the, the church in the world. Because we esteem people that are mighty men or women of renown according to the world. We esteem the strong according to the world, right? I mean, Cindy just talked about, are you gonna be finished before the Super Bowl?
1: And there's nothing there's nothing wrong with wanting to enjoy
0: the Super Bowl, but we'll just use that as an example. We esteem those athletes more than we esteem people that can't throw and catch the ball. We just do. We esteem musicians. We esteem people with money, right? One of the biggest problems for the world is that the people in the world esteem what the Bible calls mighty men and women of renown. Giants in the earth because they look strong according to the world. They look wise according to the world. Why do they look wise according to the world? Because look at everything they got. They must be the wise, right? They must, Look how strong they are they must be the noble, right? And so the world esteems those people. And so the world looks on the flesh of people and then esteems people based on what they see in their flesh, right? And so then we listen to the, the what do you think is coming out of their mouth? The poison of asps, right? And so the, the body of Christ is in a really bad place because of, of that esteem, hmm. right? right? I mean, the second you have a celebrity in the church, forget about whether the celebrity just got, You know saved a month ago we got to get that guy up on stage preaching we got to get that guy talking in the conference that'll really bring the people in right i mean it's nonsense i know there was a local church uh in the state that uh had a and this isn't to despise the the guy because the guy doesn't know he was a novice the poor guy had recently come to the lord he's not Grounded and rooted in the love of God. They shouldn't have been throwing that guy up on stage, but he's the head football coach of the most esteemed university (laughs) in Louisiana. And he comes to our church, so we got to get him up on stage teaching. Well, it was like three months later that the guy, you know, was found to be committing adultery on his wife and divorced. And they were thrusting this poor guy up on stage like he was a teacher of the gospel. All because he the fame. And and that's what Genesis is talking about, mighty men of renown, right? Mighty men of renown is not just talking about being a male according to your sex or gender. It's talking about anyone that is a giant in the eyes of the world, right? Marilyn Monroe would have been a mighty man of renown, right? Somebody the world esteemed, and the reason they esteemed them was because of the strength that could be seen in their flesh, Or their exploits in the world. And how far word traveled through the world about their exploits. Right? The world didn't love Jesus. Jesus wasn't a mighty man of renown according to the world. Dude didn't even have a house. He had no education, formal education. Dude was a carpenter. It was funny about Jesus. Jesus never despised being a carpenter. How many of you have ever despised yourself for where you thought you were at and what you were doing and that you ought to be doing something better and you ought to be doing something greater? Mm-hmm. Jesus wasn't being a carpenter buying his time. He wasn't despising being a carpenter thinking when will the real stuff start? <laughs> he was enjoying himself with the Lord yeah. while he was making tables and chairs and working with the wood. Nice. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like Cindy's talked about painting with the Lord. Yeah. Jesus the wasn't like, anxious can we get the show on the road <laughs> he wasn't thinking well soon i'll be doing something important and this isn't important at all mm-hmm. he didn't think like that right wherever he was at the father was with him even in him and so he had the abundance of life everywhere he was at in everything he was doing Wow! right
3: yeah, it's really going back to what maurice was saying about uh, relationship. and intimacy and what it's really all about, you know. He was always about that. You know, it wasn't the ministry. It wasn't, what am I going to get on with the real stuff? And two, also, I think a lot of the church, they don't understand what happened at the cross. They don't understand the way of the cross or what actually took place at the cross and what happened there. And so I think that's created a lot of uh, blind spots too. Do all this, you know, Uh, and because they don't see it, it's it's caused them actually to become more alive to the world, you know, and to uh, where the strength is, yeah,
0: where the life is, yeah. So yeah, because the 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 strength in the world looks good for food. It's not that it don't look good for food. Why do you think our natural eyes likes it, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, listen, when I was when I was running like a maniac, I only weighed like 140 pounds. I was skin and bones because you don't want to weigh a lot if you're running 26 miles. The less you weigh, the better. You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> you're carrying all that weight. Right. Well, after I got hurt and I quit running, I got into the gym more and started working out with weights because I finally could. And listen, I got like an eight pack and I got like chisel. And listen, I remember I knew the Lord. I was saved for 30 years. I remember looking in the mirror thinking, wow. i'm looking fine this way i'm like dang look at these lines right i mean so the, the the strength that's in the world looks good for food right the talent that a person could have in the strength of their flesh. It looks good for food. And and we shouldn't confuse what I'm saying. We're not going to listen to what I say through the carnal mind and now think that we ought to despise someone's talent. It doesn't mean you can't enjoy someone's talent. I mean, Becky and I went to New Orleans um, Tuesday, and we went into Fritzel's European jazz bar. And there was a skinny little white dude in there playing on the piano and my man sounded like Louis Armstrong and he was skinnier than me. And listen, I appreciate it. I mean, when you heard the voice, you were like, who is that? Because you're thinking it's got to be like a 300 pl- pound uh, black guy. Right. And you, you And it's not. It was this little bitty skinny white dude. And he was good, man. He was like really good. And I was just, uh, I enjoyed the talent. Yeah. right? But I didn't esteem that talent to be the power of God unto salvation. I didn't esteem that talent to be able to serve somebody with peace and love and joy or to fill them or to make them complete, right? There was a difference now. And I, I think you're right, man. One of the things we put an emphasis on that we've always put an emphasis on here is Christ, the wisdom of God, right? Even way back when, one of the first messages I preach is, it's not a Jesus bobblehead doll that's living inside of you. Right. When Paul said, it's Christ who lives in me. And listen, not a, all these people did not really know me then. And so they just were knowing me. And when I got into it, it ain't Jesus the person living inside of you. You should have seen the faces,
1: <laughs>
0: you know, cause it's like, what are you saying? You know, and for good cause. (laughs) You need to explain that statement. It's not a head Jesus that's living inside of you. It's Christ, the wisdom of God, that's dwelling inside of you. It's Christ, the life of God. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life that's living inside of you. And we put a heavy emphasis on what is the Word made flesh. Jesus isn't just a man. That's where the church gets it wrong. Jesus is a man, and you could derive a lot of wisdom and understanding, and we thank God that Jesus is a man, and that he came as a man, and that he'll always be a man. We thank God for that. Otherwise, we couldn't be glorified with immortal flesh. But Jesus isn't just a man. He is Christ, the wisdom of God. And I say this to mess up people's theology. But what saved Jesus? The man. Because there was nobody that had died on a cross and been raised from the dead when Jesus the man came into the earth. So, how was he saved? Because he came in the likeness of sinful flesh. Meaning he came in a perishable body. A body fashioned from the dust. The body Jesus had came from Mary. That body that he had, hadn't been born from eternal life yet. It was born from Mary. The seed that came was from above. And so there was nobody that had been crucified or raised from the dead yet. So how did this guy get saved? Right? Yeah. And so we missed the point we, it's like we, and it's shocking how many people think like this when you get down to the nitty-gritty of it, but it's like we think Jesus just came into existence when He was born of a woman. <laughs> but the ministry of Jesus began when God said, "Let there be life." Right. Yes. That's when the ministry of Jesus began. Right? <laughs> so Christ, it's so weird to say Jesus the man was saved by Christ, the wisdom of God. That sounds like whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> What? 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 <laughs> right? Yeah. So so Paul said it this way that mm. Within Christ is contained all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Christ, both the wisdom and the power of God. So Paul had a reference point for, under John understood this. That's why he said the word was made flesh. That's why Paul talked about the faith that was revealed in the Son of God. The faith that is of him. The faith that came through him. Right. The faith that the works of the law were always talking about. That they were always pointing to. That faith came in this person, Jesus. And the church is focused so much on a historical man, Jesus. A historical historical figure, Jesus, that we have no understanding of what is Christ, the wisdom of God? What is the word that was made flesh in Jesus? What is the, the logos of God? What is it? I mean, the cross and the resurrection is not just a man being crucified and raised from the dead. It's God himself talking. It's God himself casting down strongholds. It's God himself discerning the thoughts and intents of our hearts. It's God himself exercising our senses, opening our eyes and popping open our ears so we could see and hear the knowledge that comes from him. And we could find all the strongholds that are in this world from the poison of ass being cast down out of our heart. And we can find our thoughts being taken taken captive by Christ, the wisdom of God, right? right. Yes. Th- and the, 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 we, that's why we put a heavy emphasis on that here. Do you know every time we come here, do you know strongholds are being cast down? Yes. Yes. Every yes. time we come here, our thoughts are being taken captive to yes. the obedience of Christ. Yes. That doesn't mean our thoughts are being taken captive to, well, Jesus behaved perfectly for me, so now God's happy with me. That's not what it's talking about. That's a penal substitution view. Where now you think God was mad at you because you couldn't behave perfectly. And now God can be happy with you because Jesus behaved perfectly for you. And now every time you feel guilty about your bad behavior, take your guilt into captivity by thinking how Jesus performed perfectly for you. That's not what that verse is talking about. Right? I mean, it has a complete false view of what God was after. Jesus wasn't raised from the dead because he performed the works of the law. That's not the righteousness of the the man, Jesus, where it says by the disobedience, right? And now by the righteousness of one man, Jesus, the righteousness of one man, Jesus, is that Jesus believed the father wouldn't suffer him to see corruption. The father wouldn't leave his soul in hell. Jesus believed that the father loved his life so much that the father could not envision himself living for all eternity without Jesus. Jesus saw that about the Father and what that did because he saw that is that put his flesh to rest. The Father didn't even tell Jesus, listen, when you come into the earth, you're going to need to rest. Right? The Father did not give Jesus an order to rest. The commandment Jesus came into the earth having in his hidden in his heart because Jesus in the Psalms it talks about you are hidden in my heart, O Lord. The commandment that was hidden in Jesus's heart was the revelation of the Father's love for human. And because the father's love for human was always before Jesus, the son of man's eyes, that put his flesh to rest on the cross. That's the righteous deed Jesus did. He believed in the father's goodness towards him. So much so that he said, I don't have to care for my life. The father is with me. He will care for my life. And then he rested on the cross. Right. So that Christ, the wisdom of God could be manifested in the earth. And the same wisdom that saved him could now be put in front of our face and discern our hearts and our thoughts, and now we could find the same wisdom saving us and casting down strongholds, right? I mean, that's the dynamic there, but the body of Christ has lost complete sight of that. Jesus the man, Jesus the man, Jesus the man. I promise you, I'll mess people up. Well, how was Jesus the man saved from sin and death? (laughs) Again, no one had come into the earth before him and died. And been raised from the dead. So how was he saved from sin and death? Right? And so we lose sight that that was revealed in Jesus. So we say we're saved by the cross. And we're saved by the resurrection. And we most certainly are. But we're not saved by a historical thing. We're not saved by a historical event. It is a historical event. And that historical event had to happen. Don't confuse what I'm saying. But that historical event that had to physically happen declares something to all of us. And you are not saved by just believing that this historical event actually happened. You're saved by believing on the wisdom that was revealed there, which is God is with you to be the father of your life. God will not suffer you to see corruption. God will not leave your soul in the grave. And then your heart cries out, Abba, into your hands I commit my life. Right? I have a desire for life, and I see in you is the life I'm desiring, Father. Right? And you call God Father. What that means is you're saying the life, your life has come from Him. That's how you're saved. That's the same way Jesus was saved. And so, man, the body of Christ would do so much better if we could start talking about the wisdom of Christ, the wisdom. What was God saying through Jesus on the cross? Yes. Like, it's a silent word. I don't just mean, what did Jesus say? with his mouth open when he was on the cross, what's the silent word being declared on the cross? In the resurrection, what is the word that's being declared? Because that's God talking. And what is he saying? Because that's the same thing Jesus, the son of man, heard. He heard that same wisdom. And man, the body of Christ, there's no jump adjun- In the beginning was the word. And the Word, John begins his gospel putting a heavy emphasis on the Word. He begins First John by putting a heavy emphasis on the Word that was made flesh. And he calls it the testimony of God. Yes. Yeah. And he says, that's how we're saved. Just, the testimony that God has given and the way he gave it was through his son. Right?
4: Yeah. Maurice, I was just going to say, you know, The understanding of the the giving of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost by the church is is really basically God puts his spirit within you and he gives you certain gifts, abilities to do things. And that spirit kind of like tells you what to do. And if you do what the spirit tells you to do, you're being obedient and things are going to go good for you. But if you don't do what the spirit tells you to do, it ain't going to go good for you. But when you consider what, he, what the human spirit is, is our mentality, our thinking, our disposition in life. That's what the human spirit is. And God's spirit is no different than the human spirit. There's a mentality a thinking and understanding, a wisdom, a, a, a disposition toward itself and toward others. And when we have his disposition within us, it's not some spirit of Bible-headed Jesus inside (laughs) of us telling us what to do so he'll see whether we're gonna obey or not. He's putting his disposition, his spirit within us, that mentality, that wisdom, that understanding within us, that that we might be as he is in this world. Mm. And 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 that's why the church is so like kind of screwed up in their thinking, and it, it's sad to to say, but that's why it's so important that the truth about who God is, who the Spirit is, and w- what that Spirit is that it's not just some. Thing within you trying to tell you what to do, yeah. that
0: it is more than that, yeah. Yeah, way more than that.
3: That's yeah. what the scripture is trying to get across when it says, he that's
2: joined to the Lord is one spirit. Yes.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So we need this and that. I think I find with humans, we get fixated on one or the other. Yeah. yeah. So you either get fixated on uh, Jesus, the man, or you get fixated on it's a belief. Right. And if you get fixated on one or the other to the detriment of the other side of it, you're in gross error and you're going to begin teaching things that aren't true. Right. So if you put the emphasis on on Jesus, the man, then you're not really going to understand the wisdom of God. And you're going to get all sorts of things wrong, like the law. You're going to get the ministry of Jesus wrong. You're going to get all sorts of things. But if you put the emphasis only on a belief and not the physicality that death actually, you'll end up thinking that death didn't really need to be conquered in the flesh. You'll end up thinking that it's just about belief, right? And you'll gravitate towards Gnosticism, right? And you'll begin despising the physicality of the man Jesus and how he actually had to take sin and death into his own body. And he actually had to come out of the grave having been cleansed from sin and death, right? You'll just, oh, it's a belief. It's just a belief. You got to have this and that, right? And you got to bring both of them Together, right? Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Like Marie said, a disposition. Mm -hmm. Obedience. You know what obedience looks like? Obedience looks like um, God's trying to tell you he'll only ever be good to you. And obedience looks like you be allowing yourself to be persuaded that that's true. Because obedience is something that happens in the heart. Mm -hmm. It's not something that happens outwardly. We judge everything carnally. Mm -hmm. So we judge obedience carnally by the natural mind. And so we think obedience is somebody tells you to do something outwardly, and then you do it outwardly. Obedience is more like God coming and telling you something that's the truth. And then you allowing yourself to be persuaded that's the truth. That's why Paul said his apostleship was given for obedience to the faith. Well, how do you obey a faith? How do you obey a belief? Somebody tell me, how do you obey a belief? How do you obey a belief? You hear it and believe it. You (laughs) believe it. And 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 you know what? And that's what people don't understand about the work that humans do. There is a work that we do. The scriptures talk about the deed, Mm -hmm. being blessed in your deed. The scripture talks about on the last day, receiving a reward for the deed which you have done or the work which you have performed. Every human being will have done a work Mm -hmm. in their heart. And the deed that they will have done is every human being will have heard the gospel. I know there's a whole lot of sections of Christianity that live by their emotions. they, In their emotions, they can't fathom that they're not the creator and they can't see all things. So in their emotions they say, well, you must not need faith to be saved because what about all the people in like Thailand? (laughs) As if God can't speak (laughs) in the hearts of the people in Thailand. As if God's so weak. So every human's going to do the deed, a deed. Every human will have heard the truth. And the way you interact with the truth or the work, the two works that are involved with a truth is you're either going to harden your heart to it and reject it, or you're going to allow yourself to be persuaded, right? Now there's a reward for each one of those things, right? The reward of hearing that God will only ever be good to you, that God is righteous towards you. That it's not about you being righteous towards Him, but that God is righteous towards you. He will give your life the care that it needs. He will seal you with His indestructible life. The reward of being persuaded that that's true is you will inherit the very immortality of God inside of your physical body. You will inherit eternal life. Now, the reward of hardening your heart to that and refusing to believe that and thinking that the power unto having the blessing of life is by your righteousness... And what you're going to do to heap life unto yourself, the reward that's contained in that belief, that wisdom, is eternal destruction. Right? Those are the two works. And you have to think about yourself when you think about what are the works of God. We focus so much on the works which we must do. The works which we must do. The works which we must do. Well, the disciples asked Jesus, What are the works of God that we might work them? You'd think that everybody would put their hat on that because they asked. Yeah you think that if we had a big controversy about what are the works that we're supposed to do, you'd think that we would stop and say, well, somebody already sought an audience with the Lord Jesus and asked that same question. So all of your surmisings and all of my surmisings are worthless because they already had this conversation. What did they say? Right? The How do you work a faith? What's the work involved with the faith? You either believe it. You either are persuaded by it because the power to believe it is contained in the faith, right? Right. Or you reject it. You harden your heart to it. Those are the two works. That's the work. That's it. And the reward is found in what work you did. That's what it talks about in the letter of James. And they'll be blessed in their deed. In what deed? Continuing in the word of truth, continuing in the perfect law of liberty, doing the work of what? What does it mean to continue in the perfect law of liberty? It means to continue to behold your life hidden in Christ and not hidden in this world, right? You'll be blessed in that deed. What deed? Continuing to behold Jesus and saying that your life is in him. That's the work. That's the deed. Well, if you, the person who didn't behold their life in Jesus that didn't continue in the perfect law of liberty, their faith. Or the faith was without the work of continuing to believe it, right? That's it. But the body of Christ wants to talk about all the works which we should do. I think we become really confused. I don't think we understand that the things we talk about that are the works we think we're supposed to do, that you hear everywhere you go, yes, but there's things that we're supposed to do, right? We're supposed to do all these things. I think we don't understand that those things that we end up doing is the fruit that the Spirit produces. And that ain't the works which we are doing. That's not what it is. The, work, the only works which we are doing is being persuaded of the gospel of Jesus Christ or refusing to be persuaded. And if we allow our hearts to be persuaded, we will find the gospel of Jesus Christ bearing much fruit in us. And you might find somebody bearing the fruit of God. And you might find somebody laboring more abundantly than them all. But we ought not confuse that with the works which we should do.
4: Right? I tell you, you can't get away from the fact that if you do like one thing, and you think you're doing this thing because you're being obedient to God, that you're not going to say, I did this. This is what I did. And I'm going to tell you something. God forbid that any human being would ever say, I did this for God. It's just just not. Either he caused that to come to pass in your life through the faith that dwells in you through him or it is of you it, it's not both right now it's not that right. we don't do things and we don't share we don't love the people right it's not that those things aren't manifesting in our lives but the the idea that i am doing things for the lord mm-hmm. is like the, the height of I don't know what what's the word to say the height pride. of pride, pride. iniquity <laughs> yeah. of haughtiness yes.
0: yeah. I mean it it you're right Maurice it sounds weird to say it according to the natural mind but that's basically the height yeah. of iniquity yeah. right is to think like that that's that's we weren't that's not the good works we were created for. Oh, whatever it is, if you think you see anything beautiful coming out of me, that's not the good works I was created for. The good work I was created for was to walk in the good work of God. Because I am his workmanship. Now, if I do the good work of walking in his good work, what will happen is, is that will be a tree of life in me. And you'll see all these things coming out of me. But that's not the good works. That's not it. That's the fruit of the good works, Right? It's the fruit. We confuse the fruit of the good work with the good work. Right. We, we, we confuse evangelism. Right. We should not be telling people that they must evangelize. That's not how you should preach evangelism. You might be an evangelist and you might have a burning in your bones to evangelize and you might want to encourage people into evangelism. But the way that would sound is not. You should be out there evangelizing. The way that should sound is if you feel a desire in your heart, a passion to evangelize. Listen, it's God is the power behind your life. God is with you. He is the strength behind your life. You are free to follow that passion in your heart without any fear, knowing God is with you and that God will prove you. Yes, Right. That's how you would do it. Right. You don't try to make people think they're supposed to do something. That's not what you do. What you do is you preach the spirit of God so they can be strengthened to feel like God is with them and they can follow the burning in their bones, right? Because they'll start feeling like, what can man do to me? And they'll be out there evangelizing right? But we've made the evangelism the work that we should do. Instead of preaching the real work, which is the persuasion or to be persuaded by the faith. And so how do you preach that? You just keep preaching the faith. Yeah. And the faith will come and discern people's hearts. Mm-hmm. Listen, you know how many times the faith drew a clear-cut line and did like that to me? Yeah. And there were some times where I was immediately like, yes! And there were other times where I was like, let it never be said, Lord. <laughs> i tried to pretend like, no, 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 I didn't see that.
1: <laughs>
0: what you mean that they're not the problem and that there's something going on in my heart? That was one of the hardest things for me. Yeah. My, I, didn't, I didn't reject it outright But I didn't just like receive that. God had to keep persuading me. So all you do is you keep preaching the faith so that the the deed we can all be blessed for doing, which is allowing ourselves to be persuaded, can keep hitting people's hearts, can keep piercing their hearts, can keep dividing asunder uh, from spirit and carnal. And they can do the good work of being persuaded of the truth. And then out of that, whatever gifts or callings that might be in them, there's nothing that can keep them from coming out. I mean, my life is a profound testimony of that. There's nothing that could have kept this from coming out of me. And there is everything that tried to stop it myself included. Death included. Drugs and alcoholism included. A million things included. I mean, I had times with a gun next to my head where I was going to blow my brains out. I had times where I was so addicted to drugs I couldn't sleep for weeks. Nothing could keep this from coming out of me. So we don't need, no one needed to come and tell me, this should come out of you, Greg. This is what you should be doing. Do you know what I needed to be led into? I needed to be led into the room where Jesus was put on display. And I could sit at the feet of Jesus and look at the faith that was revealed in him. Because then that faith could be the power behind what was there in me coming out. Right? I was just thinking,
4: you know why the, the, the church views what they do as works? Mm-hmm. Because it's a work to them. <laughs> they're working their butts off because they're not really experiencing the thing that they're preaching about. But, but to, so to them, it is a work. And, listen, and if I'm suffering, you got to suffer too. <laughs> <laughs> to this. So the idea of losing your salvation. Now, I want to tell you something. When you know the truth of the gospel, what in the heck would you walk away from? What faith would you walk away from when God has blessed you and given you with his indestructible, incorruptible, perfect life? Why would a person ever walk away from something like that if that is the faith that's dwelling in you? Why would you walk away from it? Nobody would. A, A moron wouldn't walk away from it. There is no such thing as walking away from something that is like just perfect. Why would you walk away from perfection? That's right. Right. But if what you're doing is what the gospel is all about, and it's a work, you might just walk away from that. But you're not walking away from the eternal salvation that God came to give. You're walking away from your own efforts to attain Mm -hmm. this. And, 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 And your gospel that you walked away from, was not the gospel at all. Right. It was yeah.
3: another gospel. That's, gospel. Right. Yeah. That's right. That's mm-hmm. right. I can testify that personally because, you know, Sharon, I, mean, I wasn't raised in church, but I had an encounter with Abba, okay? Because yeah. I asked the question. I said, what's life all about? Because I was, at, I was just sick of this life. I didn't know. That was the question I asked, okay? Yeah. Yeah. Never read a Bible. He took me to, and there was a Bible in the room, and he, I opened it up to the book of John. Of all things, yeah. hmm. oh, I could so have opened up, to open up. To I didn't know, you know. Yeah. <laughs> open up to John, and he showed me the cross, and he says, yeah. and he, and he, he, I was engulfed with his love, and he yeah. said, "This is what life is all about." Mm. Yeah. How can then you I, walk away from that? But blood, then, I, man, but then I was invited to a certain denomination church, okay, yeah. Yeah. and uh, that's where a lot of the doctrines where thieves and robbers begin to, to, to you know, steal. Yeah. And so I I wound up walking away from that, mm-hmm. okay, going back to some old, old watering holes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was saved and confused, mm-hmm. but I never walked away from, yes, that which was planted in me. Yes, and what was always persuading my heart. I knew that I just, you know, what was what what they were calling was church was really a system, yes. okay. Of works, okay, uh, and people that were confused about what this thing is really all about. And that's Mm -hmm. the life of Christ and the the persuasion, you know. It's just like we had this coffee house, you know, I was thinking we were talking about every year in Myrtle Beach, we'd have Campus Crusade people come, you know. Mm -hmm. Different folks like that would come. Well, their, their goal was to win the lost. That was the work you know, mm-hmm. and they would sit up in the coffee house, and they would be so distraught. You know, they would be so, I could just see the bondage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because there were certain, it was a quota thing. It was just like, we gotta go out and win the lost. Right. Yeah. You know? Which sure. on the surface sounds good, okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's really not, it's really not the work of the Lord. It's right. not the fruit yeah. of the Lord That's being right. manifest through them. Right. But it's, it's, it's a carnal ordinance or command, Mm -hmm. go in the lost. And it really, all that's going to do is manifest death in a person, Mm -hmm. in a life. And so, but we had an opportunity to to share the gospel with a lot of them. That's That's good, that's That's nice. They would look at you like a calf looking at a new gate, you know. (laughs) (laughs) I've never heard this before. (laughs) When you talk about relationship, you know, and intimacy with the Lord. That's just
4: like when Jay and I took that
1: evangelism class you know how to share the gospel yeah and then they sent us out into the neighborhoods two by two i mean we were scared to To death are you
4: kidding me i've got to do what i didn't want to do it and um, as soon as we finished the class and did the required work we never did that again (laughs) until we heard the true gospel (laughs) and now you can't shut us up
0: (laughs) i know you're all in the airport accosting people (laughs) (laughs) What's interesting is, you see, God came and evangelized (laughs) us first. The reason why he did is because we were beautiful to him and his heart was gushing with love Mm -hmm. and compassion when he saw us suffering at the hands of death. Right Right? now, that's the heart that evangelism should be born from. But what we've done is we haven't taught the heart of God and said that will produce the same thing in people. And then they'll feel the same thing that God felt. What we've said is, well, God loves people. And so we've been ordered to do it. And so now the power behind our evangelism has been in order instead Mm -hmm. of being captivated by the love of God. And for you, man, you know, you're blessed in your deed if you don't already know. Because, listen. That, that's not just a single moment in your life, right? That's no accident, that question you asked, right?
1: What is life
0: all about? God has been faithfully unwinding that for you. That's why you have eyes to see life and death the way you do. That's why you have eyes to see the difference between the life and the world and the life of God. That's why you don't get confused. It started way back when, when you saw what is this life is, this cannot be life. Right. And I remember seeing your posts uh on Facebook. I mean, when that when that hectic political season mm. came into play, one by one, I watched all the grace preachers be- get all caught up in the political conversation about how we're gonna find life from the political and how the people perish when the righteous one isn't in office. And I'm like, Jesus is the righteous one, not Donald Trump. <laughs> So if you like Donald Trump and the political system, that's fine. But that's the political system. And Donald Trump being in the White House is not the righteous one. And one by one I watched all the people become so confused. And like preaching the strength of the world. Oh man, it was heartbreaking for me. Brother Rick. No confusion. (laughs) Boom. Man, I prayed for this dude because I thought people are not going to like that. (laughs) But But he just beating the drum and it's it's the tree that was born from that question that day what is life about and god has been ministering what life is about to you and what real life is and what it isn't and you have eyes to see it clearly and that's why you keep beating the drum because you know what life is you talk about the life that now is and the life that is to come i mean even just that simple statement strengthens out so much bad doctrine because people yeah. right now are either believing in a life that now is or they're believing in a life that is to come. But very few people are believing in both. Right. Yeah. That okay. there is a life that now is and one that is to come.
3: Well, like Maurice was saying, I wasn't rejecting when I was invited to a certain denomination. I wasn't really rejecting life. I was rejecting death. Yep, that's right. I was rejecting a system. And it's insane not, because not because,
4: right. because <laughs> the system will look at you and, and right. say right. you're rejecting the faith. Right. Yep. Yeah. Right. But you're exactly. actually reject- rejecting the yeah.
0: death. They even have a prayer meeting for you. He's brother Rick. He's not in church anymore. <laughs> 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 Listen, the only, the, the only way you're walking away from eternal life is if you yeah. didn't see what it was. Yeah. Like that. Right. And the scripture talked about believing in vain. Right. Right. And so there was some other thing going on. Right. 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 Like maybe you came to an altar call because you were just afraid of burning in hell. Right.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, that's
0: not that really right, so. believing on the faith. And I don't say no one can be saved that way because it's in the heart. Yeah. So someone could hear a wrong message, but in their heart, they're just crying out for life. Right. Well, someone else could just be like, well, I don't want to burn in hell and I don't want to be the only one not doing it. Let me walk this aisle. So yeah, they go do it <laughs> and then they play church for a little while. Right. But they never really heard the word of life. They never really oh, tasted and saw that the Lord was good. So they're not walking away from the truth. They never really were believing on the truth to begin
1: with. Exactly.
0: Right. But glory to God, I think. uh